Don't you guys just feel the Holy Spirit in here? I hope if you could feel what I feel up here. Now, it's not about feelings. It's not about emotionalism. But if you could feel what I feel right here, you would want some of it too. You're going to get some. You're going to get some. All right. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Arellano, calm down. I still get the, I still get butterflies to come up here. I still get nervous. Woo. When I stop feeling that, then I can put away this book, and put away my notepad, and put away my pen. But not today. If you have your Bibles, just go with me to the book of Numbers. I'm preaching. I've been preaching out of the book of Numbers. Not in a chapter-by-chapter format, but how I feel like it, because I'm the preacher and I can do what I want. And the book of Numbers has been a blessing to me over the last several. I've just been reading the book. And uh, the book of Numbers... Basically, every chapter, every ceremony, every crossing, it will take you to the cross if you read it with open eyes. And, you know, some of us are like mathematicians. We're trying to figure out a math equation, and we need to stop treating the Bible like a math problem and read it like a love story. Because you will never come up with the right equation. That's extra. So let's go to chapter 32. So Numbers 32. Actually, let's go to verse 1, and then, uh, and, then, and then I'll read what's on the screen there. It says, verse 1, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed it, the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, Ataroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Alina, Shibam, Nebo, and Heshbon, and Beon. Imagine those names. The country the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock. And your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your eye, let this, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now, why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel? Notice that. Now, why will you, two tribes, discourage the rest of the ten tribes from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Why will you discourage the rest of the people from crossing over if you choose to stay put? That's on you. But why do you discourage the people from going over the Jordan? There's two tribes. See, we preach, and I've done it myself, that all of the children of Israel crossed over. But that's not true to the land of Canaan. Two tribes stayed back. And I'm going to prove to you in the scripture, I'm going to show you what happened at the end of my message, what happened to these two tribes. But before that, I want you to keep this story on the back of your mind. I'm going to come back to it, and it's going to make sense in a minute. Because how many of you guys know the Bible is coherent? I might not make sense. I might be incoherent. The Bible isn't. 
and we preach the word of God. So let's go to First Chronicle or First Kings chapter six, and you might remember this verse that I read, but it's going to help me with my subject this morning. In First Kings chapter six, King Solomon built the temple, verse fourteen, and finished it. Somebody say he built it and he finished it. He finished it, and the Bible says that the children of Israel got to the crossing of the Jordan, and they said, this is as far as we go. This is as far as we go. The land which we are living in right now is a land of stock, and we are, we are, are, are livestock men. What happened to I am sending you to a land flowing with milk and honey. I am sending you to a land where there are houses that you do not build and vineyards which you did not plant. What happened to the land flowing with milk and honey? I didn't say a land with a lot of cows and a lot of livestock. Did you not get the message? I called you to a land flowing with milk and honey. But some of us have settled for livestock when God said, I got honey and bees. Woo! I feel an anointing up here this morning. Have you settled for livestock? Well, pastor, the bees sting. And I don't know what the milk does, the cows do, but I know that it don't look very good squeezing the cows. So what do you do? Squeezing? Do I want me to say the other word? Well, how do you, where's Benny at? Benny, come help me. I should have called him up. Bring one of your calves over here, Benny. We've settled for this calf. Your people are livestock men. Don't let us cross over. And I wonder if some of you guys have got the message. God has called us to further beyond. God said there's more beyond. But some of you have settled for stock. Have I settled for stock? Whoa. The Bible says in Solomon started the, the temple, and he finished the temple. The Bible says that King David handed over the template. He handed over the blueprint to Solomon. And the Bible says, if you do not believe me, in First Corinthians, Chronicles 28, the Bible says that David handed over the template to King Solomon and said, Solomon, I had it in my heart to build a temple for the Lord, but the Lord told me, you shall not do it. It will be your son after you. Oh, I had it in my heart to build a temple, but now I'm giving you the blueprint. And I love the verse. He says, uh, consider now for the Lord has chosen you to build. Somebody say, the Lord has chosen me to build. He's chosen me to build a house for the sanctuary. Therefore, be strong and do it. Hello. How many of you guys have one of those Nike shirts that says, do it? They do it, the Bible says, for an imperishable crown. We do it. All right, let's not get sidetracked here. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat. And I got to get closer here. And the plans for all that he had by the Spirit. David didn't give David didn't just have Solomon a plan and a, and a mission statement. The Bible says he had the plans 
by the Spirit. The blueprint was of the Spirit. Just like this Word of God is the Word of God. The Bible said it is God-breathed. It is the inspired Word of God. And just as the Word is the Word, the plans for the temple was by the Spirit. And let me tell you, if the plans are by the Spirit, then we got to look for men and women of the Spirit that says, by the Spirit it was given to me, and by the Spirit I will do it. We can't rely on intelligence. Cannot rely on, you know, you know we want to get sophisticated and intelligent. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Where the Apostle Paul, or 2 Corinthians, he says, I didn't come, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I did not come with excellence of speech and persuasive words, but I came with demonstration and the Holy Spirit's power. I didn't come over here trying to persuade you and try to convince you. Let me tell you, a dummy can lead you to Jesus Christ, and someone smarter than him can draw you away. Jesus said, Oh, calm down, Ariano. Calm down. Somebody say, calm down. You're preaching pretty good, Ariano. My wife knows how to get my attention. Ariano. So, so the Bible says that David gave Solomon the plans that were given to him by the Spirit. And if you go to 1 Chronicles 22, look at my Bible just turned it on its own. They have it up on the screen. David said, then David said, this is the house of God. And this is the altar. We, we got to know what the house of God is. And we got to know what the altar is. And, and David told Solomon, you can't just decide what is the altar and what's the temple. I, God decided that, that you build on it. He said, this is the altar, and this is the temple. And then he said, and David supplied and prepared iron in abundance for the nails and for the doors. Why does he say that God provided nails in abundance? Because one day there would be a Savior nailed to a cross. For those of you that want something real deep, why do you think he wanted nails in abundance on this hang all of the prophets. And then David says, I want to give you bronze in abundance beyond measure. There's a lot of judgment. But guess what? He's our forgiver. He's our justifier. He's our sanctifier. He will make propitiation. He will become the substitute for all the bronze and all the judgment. And verse 5 now, this is the hard part. Now Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. Now, that pastor don't know what he's talking about. He's too young. Maybe when I was in my 20s, you know, we used to host men's conferences and bring men to the church, and we literally had men walk up and walk out, and they said, that young preacher can't teach me nothing. That's all right. Go ahead. Solomon, my son, he's young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord, notice this, must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. God says, I want a house, and I want it to be the house. It's not the White House. 
It's not the church. He says, my house must be glorious. It must be magnificent. It must be the most famous throughout all countries. So David made abundant preparations before his death. And then verse 11 and 12, he says, now my son, may the Lord be with you. May the Lord give you wisdom. And what did Solomon pray for when he got the blueprint? And the Lord says, what shall I give you? Oh, I got this. We're too inexperienced for the work that God wants us to do. See, some of us know what we want to do, and we want to get the experience for it, and we got to get the education for it. That's my career. But what about the calling? Because there's some things that you're called to do that you'll never be qualified to do. But God says, that's okay. I'll take you and I'll put my spirit on you. I'll put my anointing on you. And not only are you going to start it, you're going to finish it before you die. Before you die. He says, I want men and women who will develop the spirit of a finisher. There's a lot of starters out there in the world. Well, God says, I'm looking for some finishers, some finishers. You know that 90% of all startups, as far as business, fail? Ask the Steve Jobs and ask the, the, the Facebooks and the Amazons how many times they started and failed before they became great. They'll tell you. As a matter of fact, some of you guys aren't going to like this, but I fit in it. 95% of those who lose weight on a diet regain it. And a significant percentage gain back more than they originally lost. Why? Because there's so much attention given to the initial promise and not enough to laying the groundwork in order to actually execute it and sustain it. So many times we, we begin on starting something. We begin on building something. And then we say, well, I know enough. You can't teach me anything else. We, lo we lose coachability and we lose teachability. You can't teach me anymore. I know too much. There's nothing for you to teach me. I know what it's like to walk into a place and be totally unqualified and unexperienced. Let me give you a, a heart lesson real quick. I remember when I was just a kid, I got called, you know, because when I was, I was younger, I used to mess around with window film. Uh, with, you know, the friends in the neighborhood trying to black out their cars. And um, I, I, uh, start, I started tinkering with, with somebody, and we were, you know, installing window tint. And then uh, somebody called me, and they said, hey, we want you to come over, and we have, a, we have a tint job for you. So I thought, you know, I'll tint a little car or, or something. And they called me, and when I walked in the house, they said, we want you to tint our house. And, I mean, the house was beautiful and magnificent, but the windows were like, oh, I was like, and then I looked at the furniture and the, the art, and I said, oh, my God. No, don't, don't worry. We'll get you a scaffold, and we'll, we'll, we'll do it all for you. We'll do it. And, and I said, no. Nah. I said, okay, I'll get back to you. And guess what? I didn't. I said, I'm not going to go in there and make a mess. And I'm inexperienced. I can't do that. So then I really wanted to do window tinting. And, and, you know, you can't forget the people that helped you up when you were down. And you know that Sister Bernice, there she is. She raised her hand. She, the spirit connected with her. You know that I sold, I sold tamales 
dozens and dozens and dozens of tamales. And I went to Dallas, Texas and got a certification to sell and to be a distributor for a film because I really wanted to do this. And so I went, I got the certification. They said, okay, now you can buy our film because we don't just sell our film to backyard tinters. You know, we don't sell it to turbo tinters. You got to know how to apply our product and, and the warranty and all that stuff. So then at that time, I was thinking, you know, I was going to do this, I was going to do that, and that didn't happen. So then I started going to this shop in Santa Fe. And many of you guys probably heard of the name Graham, Eddie Graham. And Eddie Graham, I tell you, he was spoken of all over the nation about window film. Not just window film. He was the best. There's nothing. Well, it wasn't actually him. It was his wife, which, by the way, she's still there. He died, left her the business after they divorced. Imagine that. He died, and it was on his will. If I die before her, she inherits the whole blessing. Well, I went to an interview with them. I kept bugging him and bugging him after summer after summer about a job. He was like, nope, nope. He wouldn't hire me. I had tattoos on my hand. And they said, we won't hire you. So they took me out to dinner. And I was there trying to cover up my tattoos. And I wore a watch. And, and, and they were, I was eating across the table from me. He says, yeah, so what were you in Springer for? And yeah, you could see that. You know, that big old knot in your neck. Whoa, I mean, how did these guys know I was in Springer? You know, yeah, tell us a little. Well, they knew everything. I'm getting sidetracked from my message, but I got to tell you. So anyways, fast forward. They, they, they gave me the job. They said, we shouldn't hire you because we know your past. We know we heard all about it. I had a cousin in Santa Fe who uh, uh, the, the wife, the, the business owner, was, was uh, her dad was a big brother mentor to my little cousin. And, you know, little David went over there and tell Daniel was this and he did that. And, oh, and they said, we can't hire this guy. He's shady. But guess what? I got in the shop. And then, and then he started showing me. He says, he says but, but you can't install film. I said, well, what do you want me to do? He says, well, you can prep and you can clean up and you can squeeze, you know, you can clean the shop. And I said, I didn't get hired to do that. And he says, well, you're not certified. You, you got to go to training. You got to go to Dallas and you got to get, you know. I said, I got it. He says, when did you get that? that, that you know how much I paid for that? I said, I got it. It's Bernice, help me get it. And so I said, I, it's just somewhere. He says, well, so then, so then he used to say, well, you do the passenger side and you'll never do the driver's side because she'll do the driver's side. And if, you're, if you ever become that good, then you can do the driver's side. But that was just part of it. Then he started taking me to go measure windows and go to these houses and Las Campana, all these multi-million dollar homes. And he would walk in there, you know, he, he, he was all disheveled and everything. He'd walk in there with his ladder. He says, move that out of the way, move this. And I was like, dang, this dude just does that stuff with confidence. So then I got a little bit more confidence. And, you know, I mean, one summer, me and my boys, I did a little ad and we did a little tin job. And he said, dad, why don't we do this every day? And we settled for stock. And God said, I got a land flowing with milk and honey. You settle for what you're experienced for. But I'm looking for a man of God that's doing work that you are not experienced for. That I put my calling on your life. And you settle for stock. And God says, what about the land flowing with milk and honey? 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said, Not many are wise according to the flesh. I wish I was a little bit more smarter. Not many are mighty. I wish I was a little bit taller and a little bit heavier. But it's okay. God uses small people just like he called Zacchaeus. All right. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. My God says, I'll take the base things. I'll take the those born of unnobility, and I'll put my spirit on them. I'll anoint them. Don't worry. I'll give you the tools for the trade, baby. I'll give you the tools for the trade. If we limit God to stock, if we limit God to, to, to the stock, when he has called us to a land flowing with milk and honey, we limit... When the children of Israel were at the Jordan River, they said, man, we've, we fought too hard and we fought too much too long. And there's, we, we, they got tired of fighting battles. They got tired. They got exhausted of, of fighting battles. They got exhausted of, of, of conquering and being defeated by the enemy. And I've determined that the world at its worst needs a church at its best. In this last hour, we can no longer reserve and settle for the status quo. I know some of us have started, but God says, how are you going to finish? I make a commitment, and I, as well as Christ has made a commitment to leave no work undone. But we, we're always in opposition. The odds are always against us. We're always outsmarted, outnumbered, outwitted by the enemy. A lot of times we're even out-resourced. But God says, I'm the God who provides. We don't want to fight any more wars. We don't want to fight any more battles. Some of us have experienced spiritual battle. And we say, you know what, Lord? This is too difficult, God. The calling is too difficult. You know what? When you get called, when you, when you make that call to the altar, you know what you've done? You've just unlocked all of hell's forces to come against you. The Bible says that we do not fight against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But we, we, we wrestle against principalities and powers of this present age. And about five years ago, something was revealed to me. That though we don't fight against flesh and blood, the devil does. That's why he attacked Job and his children. That's why he attacked David and his men. That's why he even attacked Jesus Christ in the flesh, and he thought he was winning. So don't ever think, I don't fight against flesh and blood, but the devil does. Yeah, he'll put your children in the hospital. He'll put them in prison. He'll put you through situations you thought, my God, all this... We do not wage war against flesh and blood, Ephesians said, but against principalities and powers and rulers of this dark ages. And so whenever you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, whenever you make a commitment to him, he will fight against your flesh and blood. But the Bible says that we are to keep our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised not its shame. 
I like what the New Living Translation says. It says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiated our faith. And if he initiated it, if he started it, he's going to finish it. Philippians chapter 1, 6 said, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He's faithful to finish it. Let me tell you something. The spirit of a finisher lives inside of you. Somebody asked, why does God allow all the suffering? Why does God allow God's people to go through suffering? Why not? We're the only ones that can go through it and get through it and come out victorious. We're the only ones that can go through it and come out of it and still praise the Lord. If you love him, you'll praise him. If you love him, you'll praise him. If you love him, you'll say, Lord God, only you can complete the work of Jesus Christ in my life. Keep your focus on him. I'm trying to figure out what I want to put in and what I don't. I preached this message at the TV studio and I had to condense it. 20 some minutes. I said, how can you preach a sermon in 20 minutes? Well, that's all you have. You're not paying for time, are you? This right here is free so I can take as long as I want. Glory to God. Ah, how can I preach a message in 26 minutes, but it's being done. How many of you guys have ever heard of Kevin Plank? Kevin Plank was a walk-on uh, fullback to the University of Maryland. And when he got to the field, he started realizing that his, his sweat was slowing him down. And, and so he started tinkering in his grandma's closet in her ropero. And he started tinkering and, and working with different material. He said, I got to find something that fits, that doesn't make me sweat, and, you know, that I can, you know, be faster in. Because how many of you guys know that athletes have to drop weight and, 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 and you know, the runners, they got to slim down. And so he went into his grandma's basement and started tinkering with different uh, cloth. And he found a material that what he could put on and he wouldn't sweat. And, and what he called it was Under Armour. And according to Forbes, Under Armour is, in 2016, was voted the sixth most innovative business. As a matter of fact, for many years, Mr. Plank from Under Armour, before it was Under Armour, he would send out a Christmas card every year to Nike CEO Phil Knight, and he would say, my name is Phil Plank, this is Under Armour. You haven't heard about us, but one day you will. And every year he would send him his Christmas card. Every year he'd send him his Christmas cards. You haven't heard of us, but one day you will. I'm just here to tell the devil, you haven't heard about this ministry. Maybe he has. I'm here to tell the future. You haven't heard about us, but one day you will. You haven't heard about me, but one day you will. Because God says, I will build me a church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. My church will be the most glorious. It will be the most famous. It will be the most magnificent. He says, because what I start, I finish. I finish what I start. I got sidetracked a long time ago on my sermon. So to be fully committed to finish... I'll give you a couple of points. They're not on the screen, but let me just give them to you real quick. Number one, you got to worship at any cost. You got to worship God together through the midst of a pandemic. That's been really hard, hasn't it? Okay. It's going to get better. Work at any cost. Sometimes even free. 
What am I going to get for that? Nothing. And we must wage war at any cost. Yeah, at the cost of our health, at the cost of our children, at the cost of our sons and daughters. I don't know what you're doing, but you're working. I don't see it, God, but you're doing something. And so, Lord God, I pray that every work, every assault, every battle the enemy has inflicted on you will turn around for your good and for my good. So why do you discourage the heart of the children not to cross over? Do you know that if you don't go forward with us, and you say, we stay behind, you are discouraging the heart of some people. You know, and somebody in the men's home, before I forget it, they gave me a little book, and I was going to use it for another message, but I thought I'd use it here today. A little book on leadership. And I got the little book, and I said, what message can I steal from this little book or borrow? But, but how many of you guys know that in life, there are four kinds of people when it comes to commitment? I'll tell you real quick, they're from, from John Maxwell's book. So you guys don't know that I don't plagiarize. I, I do, but I give credit to them. He says, when it comes to commitment, he said there's four kinds of people. Now, he didn't say in the church, but he said there's cop-outs, there's drop-outs, and I forgot the third one, so I'll give you the fourth one, but then there's all-outs. God is looking for people that say, Lord, it's dangerous to go across. Lord, we had to fight this much to get here, and you want us to go to the land flowing with milk and honey? God says, do not settle for stuck, but keep going forward because I've called you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey, and I want full commitment. I want all-outers. Who's an all-outer? I know you used to be an all-nighter. Oof. That, thank you, Holy Spirit. I know you used to be an all-nighter. Some of you are liking this, but you're sitting there still like the cover girl from the book of Lamentations. I won't tell you who I stole that one from. If you watch TV, you might see. The nexus of the cross. At the heart of the cross is the spirit of a finisher. He was fully committed. And now at the nexus of the cross is our commitment, our self-sacrifice, our giving, our not giving up. Lord God, you called me to this. I'm not giving up and I'm not letting go. I'm not giving up and I'm not letting go. See, commitment. I got to the part where I read the book and I took a note. Commitment is the enemy of resistance. For it is the seasons of promise to press on, to get up, no matter how many times you are knocked down. When it comes to commitment, there are four types of people. See, it was in my spirit, but I hadn't gotten there yet. That's what happens sometimes. It's in here, but I haven't gotten in here. Sometimes it gets left out. So there are four kinds of people. There are cop-outs, there are holdouts, there are dropouts, and there are all-outs. Which one are you? Lord, it's been too difficult. But you started, and he is faithful to complete, to finish what he started in you. But how many of us are fully committed? Because the enemy is good. The enemy will pull out, um, come and help me, real quick. This is what the enemy will do to you. He'll say, uh, why don't you run that way? Here, go. That's what the devil will do. He'll say, stop right there. He'll say, caution, do not cross. On the other side of this is the land flowing with milk and honey. On the other side of caution, this is a crime scene zone. 
and we see the caution tape and God says, you want to settle for a land of stock? I know you got a lot of stock. I know you got a lot of possessions up to here, but there's so much more after this, and there is an after this. I know that up until now, you've suffered a lot, and you've given a lot, and you've sacrificed a lot, and you've hurt a lot. But God says up to here and over, there is still more to come. And we see the caution tape we see the line that the devil says, and we says, Lord, I don't want to go over here. And God is looking for all outs. He's looking for all outs. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, the Bible says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And on the seventh day, he rested. Our seventh day has not come yet. Your seventh day hasn't come yet. If you're still living and breathing and you're sitting in church, praise the Lord. He can still use you. Somebody ought to stand up and shout and says, I'm living and I'm breathing and I still have an opportunity to cross over. Jesus said, my food is to do what the one who sent me wants me to do. And the will of the one who sent me. And to finish his work. Jesus said, I have come for the work that he has called me to do. And he says, and to finish. Jesus didn't say, I just came to get started. Some of us have said, well, I'm just going to start a Bible study. I guess I'll just start praying. I guess I'll just start. But how many of you guys know that Jesus wants us to finish? He wants us to finish. In 1 Thessalonians 5.24, he says, May the God who calls you make you holy through and through. He who calls you is utterly faithful, and he will finish what he has set out to do. Jesus Christ leaves no unfinished business. The Bible says in the message translation, Jesus Christ the one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he will do it. Lord, but you promised. Some of you guys need to begin to remind the Lord, Lord, you promised. Lord, you gave me. You called me up to here. Now it's up to me to cross over. And for my Spanish-speaking folk, I forgot to read the verses in Spanish. So here it goes, part two of this message. La Biblia dice en Primera de Reyes, Salomón edificó el templo y lo terminó. Y lo terminó. I'm almost done. Just give me a minute. En Lucas 14, 28, Luke 14, 28, they got it. Sin embargo, no comiences sin calcular el costo. Pues quién comenzaría a construir un edificio sin primero calcular el costo para ver si hay suficiente dinero para terminarlo. He says, if you don't finish it, 
In Luke 14, which one of you, having wanting to build a tower, will not first sit down and consider the cost if you have enough to finish it? He says if he doesn't finish it, if he begins to build, if he lays the foundation and he doesn't put up the walls and put up the window and you've built houses, you know, he says, sorry, that was Holy Spirit. After he has laid the foundation and he is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish this man was had a calling to start he started he's talking about discipleship by the way if you continue reading the rest of the chapter the bible says that three men came to him says lord i bought an ox and i gotta go try it out what did he do he settled for stock another one said lord i just got married and i haven't even tried her yet well, forgive me. I haven't even had my honeymoon yet, Lord. Please let me go. Jesus says, go. What did the other one say? Lord, I've bought some land, and i got to go look at it. You don't buy something before you look at it. He says, any one of you does not count the cost and deny yourself, you're not worthy of me. And you're sitting in here this morning. God has called you to discipleship. God has called you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And the followers of Jesus Christ are all out. We don't follow him unto a certain point and say, Lord, I'm done. No, you keep following me. You keep self-surrendering. You keep self-sacrificing. This man began to build and he wasn't able to finish. And then the Bible says, or else... What king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? See, some of us want an equal fight. We want an equal battle. But God's people are always outnumbered. God's people are always in the minority. God's people are always against the odds. And sometimes lions will come after you. Sometimes armies will come after you. But Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of my servant that he might see there are many that are with us that are with them. Would you stand to your feet this morning? There are many more that are with us than are with them. And sometimes it doesn't look like it. But God says, what I started, I will finish. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who called me. Mi alimento es hacer la voluntad de él que me envió y terminar su obra, dijo Jesús. God wants to bring the spirit of El Cavador on you. The spirit of a finisher. Do you have the spirit of a finisher within you? Lord God, I will worship you at any cost. I will worship you through a pandemic. I will worship you through persecution. I will worship you when they say, oh, don't gather. I will gather still. Lord, I'll worship you. I've considered the cost. I'm going to be an all out because he went all out for me. He went all out. He went all out for you. And I know the battle has been tough. I know the fight has been wearisome. I know it's been exhausting. And you felt like giving up. But on the other side of not giving up is your blessing. On the other side of the stock that you've settled for is a land flowing with milk and honey.